Hello there, my name is Lewis James and I'm a composer, video game music enthusiast and all-round nerd. Now video game music has always inspired me and fascinated me throughout my life. For anyone that's counting, that's almost 30 years. The ability to immerse myself in different worlds, stories and environments and have the music act as a gateway to these mystical places never ceases to amaze me. So many boundaries have been broken in such a short space of time because of this medium. I invite you to join me as I analyse some of the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. Welcome to My Melodies of Life. I will need to tread extremely lightly with the next few episodes as I'll be covering the music of one of the greatest Japanese role-playing games to come out on the PlayStation. Actually, no. One of the greatest video games, period. Is there anything I need to do before I take on this difficult task? Well, there is one thing. Let's get to the admin. I honestly feel extremely pleased with how the Dancing Mad special came together. A lot of work and time was put to that episode, and I hope the final result shows this. I definitely want to do more episodes focusing on one specific piece of music in the near future. Speaking of which, after Final Fantasy VII, I'll be taking a short break from the franchise to focus on other soundtracks for the podcast. I'll definitely come back to finish off the rest of the series soon. But this is not a podcast just about Final Fantasy. It'll also be December by the time I cover all I can about Final Fantasy VII. Yes, this will be three parts long. There's a lot to talk about. There's also been a huge couple of weeks with video game news as well. Silent Hill 2 and Resident Evil 4 are both getting the remake treatment and are set to release next year. Both original games have stellar soundtracks to boot. Plus, we recently had revealed to us a new trailer exploring more of Final Fantasy XVI. 2023 is on its way to becoming a year to remember for gamers. Much like the year 1997, the year that graced us with the release of the phenomenon that is Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII was originally going to be on the Nintendo 64, carrying on the legacy that Square and Nintendo had both created. But this game ended up becoming so ambitious it just couldn't fit into one cartridge. Having one game consist of multiple cartridges was just unthinkable at the time. In a way, it still is. So the decision was made to migrate Final Fantasy VII to the PlayStation. The game ended up needing three CDs to fit everything in, whilst using the console's functionality with memory cards to transfer save files over from disc to disc, with minimal compromises. This is one of the first games in the series to reach the rank of superstardom. Ask anyone with at least a morbid curiosity for video games, and they'll recognise the image of the blonde, spiky-haired warrior with the big sword instantly. They might not know that this character is from Final Fantasy VII per se, 
but the influence that the game had on the world is definitely super strong. Another component that helped push this game to the pedestal that it is standing on today is the music. But what made the music so memorable? That is what we're going to discuss in this episode. As much as I want to get straight to brass tacks, I've already formed a pattern with the structure of the podcast, so the story synopsis must come first. I must warn everyone of potential mild spoilers on the entire compilation of Final Fantasy VII so far, including Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know I'm only exploring the original game, but a lot of the musical story beats do remain constant, so caution is advised. Now that's all cleared up. What does this synopsis say? energy manufacturing mega company known as Shinra Inc. is harvesting the sheer life energy of the planet known as the Lifestream as a simple fossil fuel. The Lifestream is processed and made into products ranging from electricity and heat to Marco and Materia. The latter two materials can work miracles, granting the wisdom of the ancients to the user. However, the Lifestream like most other fuels, is finite in supply, and the planet's life force is being malevolently drained by the constant exploitation of Marco by Shinra. Though unaware of the harmful effects, they function without remorse. However, the real battle lies not with the corporation, but a force much more competent from the distant past. A long-fought dead warrior, bent on becoming a god by draining all of the lifestream from the planet, has risen again and will stop at nothing to achieve his goal. Now a small rebel group emanating from the slums must quell the various dangers toward the innocent, and one mercenary for hire must look amidst the lies and deception and find the man he is within. The story has become a lot more modernised now, along with the game's aesthetic. Not only that, how the game starts is also different compared to the previous games. We are in a new generation now. It's time to start this game up with a bang. Listen to how the orchestra builds up, section by section, chord by chord. If you're able to visualize scenes in your head, what do you see when hearing this? A view of a massive metropolis that starts from a busy street and slowly zooms out to show the entire city when the drop hits? That's one of the most iconic opening sequences of all time. But it is just a small hint of what is yet to come players will come to realise that, as soon as the view pans back down to another sector of the city in Midgar, no time to introduce anyone, or get a lay of the land. 
we're thrusted straight into the action. The music signifies that with the slow fading out of the opening that we have just heard and immediately get the percussion warmed up for bombing mission. That descending brass motif sounds extremely familiar. Does anyone else feel that way? I'm not quite sure how to put it. I'm sure it will come back to me. Anyway, as the title suggests, our characters are already underway on their planet-saving task. Everyone has a part to play. This is shown by the concise movements of the music and the clarity of how each section of the orchestra play parts that are completely different than any other section. But if you put these musical puzzle pieces together, everything works like clockwork. Now the initial phase of our protagonist's mission is complete, their objective lies in a part of the sector that converts the natural livestream energy from the planet to the all-powerful Marco energy. The Marco Reactor. Less than a second into this piece and I'm already getting a sense of a futuristic industrial revolution. Cymbal rolls that fade in and out like igniting steam, rhythmic clangs of percussive machinery, a harmonic choir that accompanies the point that Barrett, the leader of this rebel organization, makes about the planet crying out in pain and he can hear that. Thanks to this music, we can too. Every rebellion has a base of operations, right? In the case of Final Fantasy VII, Barrett's group Avalanche has a base in the local bar down in the slums of Midgar. The mercenary that Barrett hired, protagonist Cloud Strife, is already familiar with the owner of this bar, Tifa Lockhart. Cloud and Tifa have known each other since childhood, as they grew up in the same town, but they haven't seen each other in a long while. The minimalistic nature of this music is telling me that Tifa does mean well in her actions, but she feels like there's one small matter about her best friend that doesn't click in her mind, making her uneasy. There's one dialogue exchange in the bar between the two characters, where it looks like one side of the conversation does not match with the other and they both feel like the other character isn't making sense about something. This does keep coming back to haunt them within various points of the game's story. But I can't give away the big twist here. As I said earlier, only potentially mild spoilers here.
The next mission that Avalanche takes does not go exactly as planned, which forces Cloud to split up from the group in a rather dramatic fashion. After the initial scuffle, Cloud finds himself in a church that is visited regularly by a character that is synonymous with not just this story, but the series as a whole, Aerith Gainsborough. Unlike Tifa, we initially don't hear her theme the first time we encounter her. Instead, we hear a variation of Aerith's theme that has more of a connection to the church instead of Aerith. This is flowers blooming in the church. The church itself is in the slums, where the sun does not usually shine that much compared to the city suspended above it. But it is positioned conveniently at a place where some sunlight will start to creep down to the surface in certain times of the day, through a large hole in the church's roof. This allows flowers to grow where the altar would be typically placed. Aerith uses these flowers to sell out to any passers-by in the city. We won't cover her theme until the next episode, but the use of it here, give or take a couple of small variations, says this is only the beginning of her wider journey. I mean that in the more spiritual sense of the word. Yes, she does join the main party, that much is certain, but by giving her character an introduction that is detailed as this, we can already tell that her own personal journey will have an impact on the story unlike any other. A lot of ground has been covered in the game and its soundtrack already, but we haven't set foot in the wider world once. Is there an overworld in this game, you may be asking? There is, yes. I just only have enough time to cover my personal highlights from the music you only hear while in Midgar. I'll be covering more music from Final Fantasy VII in the next episode. There is a lot of noteworthy music in this game, and I can't just fit all of my favourites into one episode. On the other hand, I can tell you that I'll be covering all of my highlights from when the party lives Midgar, all the way to near the end of the game. There will be some noticeable pieces of music that will be missing, and I do apologise in advance, but I really want the more curious folk to seek both the game and the soundtrack out for themselves. There's nothing wrong with providing just a sample of what to expect when you start to dive in, if you decide to. And that's why I'm here. With that in mind, I'll be back in two weeks with part two of my analysis of the music of Final Fantasy VII.